You know, on the screen just now, you witnessed one of the most important moments in a baby's life. And maybe you remember it, maybe you don't, but it's the first time you see your own reflection in a mirror. And to those who are watching today online, to our Mill Creek campus, to those here at Sugarloaf, those who will be watching by TV, I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today. And you probably don't remember that moment in your own life, but you probably had a similar reaction. The first time you saw yourself in a mirror, you were startled, shocked, confused, entertained. You're looking at that, that, that piece of glass and you're saying, who is this person looking back at me? And then there's that realization that comes when you say, that's me. I'm, I'm looking at me. That's what I look like. And what's amazing about mirrors is, is that you discover these things when you're just a little baby. But as you grow older, mirrors become increasingly important in our life. I mean, you think about it. You know, you get to a certain age, and then whether you're about to go to school, or you're about to go to work, or you're about to go on a date, or you're about to get married, there's one thing you're going to do before you leave the house. I did it myself this morning. What are you going to do? You're going to look in a mirror. Before you walk out the door, you're going to look in a mirror. Why do we do that? Why do mirrors become so important? Why is it that we care so much that we see our reflection in a mirror? Simple reason. The mirror never lies. Now, I can lie to you. Somebody can say, how does my hat look on me? And I could you know, lie and say it looks great instead of saying, where did you shoot it or kill it? I don't do those kind of things. But you know what? You can look in a mirror and determine that yourself because the mirror never lies. The mirror shows what you look like when you're clean shaven and when you're not. The mirror looks, lets you know what you look like when you have makeup on and you don't. The mirror lets you know when you look your best and you're not. The mirror shows when you've got every hair in place, when every hair is all over the place, or when you don't have any hair to put in place. The mirror never lies. It always tells the truth. There's nothing fake. There's nothing hidden in your mirror image. And so today, we're beginning a series that I'm pumped about, I'm excited about, been working on for months, that we're calling mirror image, except here's the difference. We're not talking about, see what you look like looking in a mirror physically. I'm not talking about what you see physically when you look in a mirror. I want you to imagine there was a mirror that you could look at that would show you not what you look like on the outside, but what you look like on the inside. If you were to stand before that kind of mirror, here's my question. What would you look like spiritually? What would you look like morally? What would you look like ethically? Because we're gonna be talking about the most important thing about every one of us today. It's the most important thing about me. It's the impo most important thing about you. It's the most important thing about every person on planet Earth, and that is character. That's what really makes and breaks everybody. That, in essence, is what life and what you are all about. So what do you see? What do you see when you look in the mirror? I don't mean what you see on the outside. I mean what you see on the inside, what you are. And, 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 and what would you see, or more importantly, what should you see? What would you like to see? If somebody could see inside of you, what would you like for them to see? As far as your character, we're, we're living in a day where people are a lot more concerned 
about their reputation than they are their character. And here's what we learn, and it's so disappointing. How often do we find out that someone's reputation didn't match their character? That their character didn't really live up to their reputation? See, here's the difference. Your reputation is what other people think you are when they see you through a window. Your character is what you know you are and what God knows you are when you look in a mirror. There's a big difference between reputation and character. Character is what you know you are. Reputation is what people think you are. You know, it's been said that people are like trees. The shadow of a tree is the reputation. The fruit of the tree is the personality, but the root of the tree is character. Abraham Lincoln put it this way. He said, character's like a tree and reputation's like its shadow. The shadow is what we think of it. The tree is the real thing. So here's the question I want you to ask for the next several weeks as we go through this study on character. And just be honest, there's, there's, there's this, there, if there's one time we really shouldn't lie to ourselves, we ought to really get honest with ourselves, this is that time. Here's the question. If your reputation met your character on the street, would they recognize each other? If your reputation met your character on the street, would they recognize each other? Now that begs the question, okay, so what makes up good character? It's one thing to talk about it. It's one thing to realize what it is. What makes up good character? What would be the character traits that would be true of you and true of me if we were not just good, but we were godly? What would be the character traits that would make up you and me, not, if it, 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 not, not just what we would like to be, but what we know God would want us to be? You parents and you grandparents, if you could instill in your children and your grandchildren the character traits you'd want them to have, what character traits would you put into them? So I wanna to submit to you today that the very first trait that would be real in your life, the very first thing that people would know about you if you truly have the right character would be integrity. That's the foundation of character, integrity. If you were building a house of character, the foundation would be integrity. Everything begins, everything starts, everything rests upon integrity. You know, there's a saying that I learned back when I was in college and it's proven to be one of the most truest things I've ever heard. Everything rises and falls on what? Leadership, everything. Everything rises and falls on leadership. I have found that to be absolutely true. But I wanna add something to that. It is true that everything rises and falls on leadership, but I'll tell you, I found something else. Leadership rises and falls on integrity. At the end of the day, it all comes back to integrity. As a matter of fact, let me just tell you how important this is. None of the other character traits will matter Everything else I'm gonna talk about in the next several weeks will not make one bit of difference in your life if you do not have integrity. In fact, even more to the point, if you don't have the integrity, none of the other character traits will hardly ever show up in your life. That's how important integrity is. That is how key integrity is. Integrity is more important than fame. It's more important than fortune. More important than position. It's more important than possessions. It's more important than popularity. What you accomplish will make your name known, but your integrity will determine whether your name is worth knowing. There are a lot of people whose names we recognize, but when you look at their character, they're really not worth 
knowing. So today, we're going to study a man that I believe was the epitome of the word integrity. As a matter of fact, it is because he had such integrity, we even know who the guy is. It's because he had such integrity, he even has a book in the Bible. It's a man who had such integrity that even though he lived 2,500 years ago, children still read stories about this man today. His name was Daniel. And if you brought a copy of God's Word, we're going to be in a book called Daniel. And you know, I was looking at it this morning. It's really not that hard to find. It's about about halfway through the Old Testament. So if you go to Genesis, go about halfway through, you'll come to the book of Daniel. We're in Daniel chapter six. Now, anybody familiar with the Bible knows this. If I were to mention, if I were to say, okay, we're gonna do a word association. If I said Daniel, what would most of us say? Lion's Den, right? We talk about the lion's den. Everybody knows, oh yeah, Daniel. He's the guy that was thrown into the lion's den. However, here's what you're gonna learn today. The important part of the story about Daniel in the lion's den is not that he was thrown into the lion's den. That is not the key to why the story's in the Bible. What's important about that story is not that he was thrown into the lion's den, but why was he thrown into the lion's den? What went on before Daniel was thrown into the lion's den that caused him to be thrown into the lion's den? And we're gonna see today why integrity is so important and why we ought to make it a part of the DNA of our life. So I'm going to assume that you're saying right now, you know what, I want to be a person of integrity. If that's where character starts, if that is the most important part, if that is the building block of character, and I want to be a person of character, I want to be a person of integrity. So how do I do that? Okay, well, first of all, we should live a life of integrity. That's where it begins. We should live a life of integrity. Now, let's begin with what got Daniel thrown into the lion's den to begin with. Okay, we're in Daniel chapter six. We'll pick up in verse one. It pleased Darius, he's the king, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps, that's kind of underlings, that's kind of assistants, to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators, uh, administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, let me tell you what's going on. The king of the empire was a pagan at this time. His name was Darius. He was a brand new king. Evidently, he kind of suspected or maybe somebody had checked the books or whatever, but he kind of suspected that somebody was cooking the books. And he suspected that, 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 that some people were embezzling money and they were being unfaithful employees. So the empire is so vast, he can't run it by himself. He knows he's got to surround himself with the best people he can to ensure honesty and accountability because Darius knows what any good leader knows. That is, you're no better than the people you surround yourself with. I am no better than my staff. My staff is no better than the people under them. The people under them are no better than the people around them. If you run a business, you know that's true. You may be a great CEO in your own right. You may be a great president. You may be a great chief operating officer, but at the end of the day, you are no better than the people you surround yourself with. Darius knew that and he said, look, I've got to get some people in here that can help me run this kingdom and do it in such a way and find the best people possible so the kingdom's business is getting done and getting done the right way. Now, there was one choice that was totally obvious. There was one choice that stood out. There was one choice that, said, that Darius said, oh, this is easy. This one is an easy call. Verse three. Now, Daniel, 
so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Daniel, at this time, now watch this. He's about 85 years old. He ought to be on a rocking chair on the beach in Florida sipping orange juice. But no, he's been called back into public service. He's been serving the Lord now about 70 years in Babylon. He's now under his third king. Now, this king is the new kid on the block. Most likely, he had never even met Daniel. Most likely, he had never laid eyes on Daniel. So, okay, wait a minute. If he'd never met Daniel, never set eyes on Daniel, why in the world would he choose Daniel to be second in command? Why would he choose Daniel to be over everybody else? Real easy. Because even though he did not know Daniel, everybody knew about Daniel. Daniel was a household name. Everybody loved Daniel. Everybody revered Daniel. Everybody looked up to Daniel because if you go back and read the first five chapters of Daniel, you'll find from the time he was taken there as a teenage boy, his reputation preceded him because everybody knew for 70 years, Daniel had proven himself to be a man of absolute, unquestioned, impeccable integrity. So he says, Daniel, you're, the, you're my guy. I'm gonna put you over everybody else. You're gonna be second in command only to the king. Now again, shouldn't surprise us because I'll tell you something I've learned in my years on earth. Integrity always has a way of rising to the top. It, it, it's like cream. It's, it's got a way of rising to the top. I've learned that integrity trumps ability every time. Integrity trumps ability every time. Listen, you wanna teach your kids a great lesson about life, let me tell you what to teach them. There is no limit to how far your kids can go. There is no limit to how far anybody can know Anybody can go if people know just one thing about you. If they know that whatever situation you're put in, you will always do the right thing. There's no, there's no limit to how far you can go. If people know she'll do the right thing, he'll do the right thing, he'll make the right call, he'll take the right path. There is no limit to how far anybody can go. See, Daniel was not elevated. Daniel was not promoted because of his temporal seniority, because he'd been around longer than everybody else. He was promoted because of his moral superiority. His character was a cut above everybody else. But there's a problem. Say, so what's the problem? Well, his integrity was what got him into deep trouble because we keep reading. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Now, evidently, here's what was happening. There was this good old boy network that had kind of been skimming off the top. They'd been taking money for themselves. They'd been embezzling money from the government. And now they know those days are over as long as Daniel is at the top. So now they got a problem. The gravy train is about to come to a screeching halt. So they say, okay, we've got to get rid of Daniel. And they also knew something else that really bugged them. Daniel was a foreigner. He was an outsider. He was an immigrant. He was a Jew. They could not stand the thought of somebody that was not like them being over them. So what do they do? 
they launched this full-scale investigation into Daniel's life. And I mean, they threw everything at him. They put a tail on him. They hired private investigators. They bugged his phone. They analyzed his tax records. They examined his bank statements. They interviewed people who went to high school. They interviewed people that went to college. They talked to his next door neighbors. They talked to his family. They did everything they could. And what did they find? Nothing, nada, zero, zip. They brought in the FBI, the CIA, the IRS. They ordered them to turn over every rock, look under every bread, open every drawer, every closet, and they couldn't lay a glove on him. They thought, wait a minute, this guy's worked for the government 70 years. You know, we have this stereotype. If you work for the government, you must be a crook. And this guy's worked 70 years, and you mean in 70 years, he's never leveraged his office to make money? He's never used his power to, to, to enrich himself? There's got to be something we could find. But there was nothing. They were trying to find anything that could cut Daniel down to size. But after they put Daniel under the microscope, all they found was a man who for 70 years had been honest hardworking, and holy. They couldn't find anything corrupt in him. So how does this investigation end? Finally, these men said, well, we'll never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless, now watch this, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. You talk about a testimony about a man's character. You talk about a backhanded compliment, but a compliment for real. Here's what they said. We're never going to find anything legally against this guy. We're never going to find anything morally against this guy. We're never going to find anything ethically against this guy. So our only hope, let's get him to disobey God. Let's get him to break the law of God. Because you see, when you live a life of integrity, here's what you'll find. When you live a life of integrity, your life will be surrounded with a force field of righteousness and goodness that can withstand any investigation or accusation. You ought to live the kind of life, you ought to really live every day the kind of life where if somebody were to come to you and say, is it okay with you if we bug your phone? Is it okay with you if we check your computer? Is it okay with you if we check your bank statements? Is it okay with you if we check your expense reports? Is it okay with you if we put the FBI, the CIA, and the IRS on you? You ought to live such a life of integrity, you ought to say, knock yourself out. And tell me how that works out for you, because I know how it's going to work out for me. Now, hopefully, you're kind of fired up. And hope you're saying, yeah, man, that's what I want. Yeah, pastor, that's for me. Yes, sir, I want to be a man of integrity. I want to be a woman of integrity. I want my kids to be kids of integrity. I want my grandkids to be grandkids of integrity. Well, just a minute. Because if you live, and this is so true in the 21st century, it is so true in the country we're living in right now, if you choose to live a life of integrity, you'll have to count the cost of integrity. You say, the cost? Yeah, because here's the other side of the coin. You are free 
to exercise integrity in your life. But if you exercise integrity in your life, it won't be free. So I'm just giving you fair warning. You're free to exercise integrity in your life. But integrity is never free to exercise. Because if you know the story of Daniel, this wasn't his first rodeo when it came to his integrity, but it would prove to be potentially the most costly. We keep reading. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king. And they said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed, parenthetic, little parenthetical note, except Daniel. They don't tell him that. They've all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree, put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Now, you got to give these guys credit. I mean, it is a brilliant idea because you know what they know they've done? They've just checkmated Daniel. They've got Daniel now. They've got Daniel right where they want him. They said, okay, we can't find anything immoral about you. We can't find anything unethical about you. So we're gonna make your faith illegal because Daniel didn't hide the fact that he prayed three times a day. He didn't hide the fact that he prayed to the only God that there is. He didn't hide the fact that he prayed to a God that most of the Babylonians laughed at, made fun of, and ridiculed. So they passed this law. And they only had one man in mind, Daniel. They passed this law because they knew if we make prayer to Daniel's God illegal, they know if we do that, we just gave Daniel a 24-karat gold-plated printed reservation to the lion's den. Now you say, wait a minute. How did they know it would work? How did they know that Daniel would take the bait? How did they know what Daniel would do? Well, it's easy. <laughs> they knew Daniel. Everybody knew Daniel. Because for 70 years, when it came to integrity, you know what Daniel's report card showed? Straight A's. For 70 years when it came to integrity, you know what he got on every test? Graded 100. They knew Daniel won't fold. Daniel won't quit. Daniel won't stop. Daniel won't bend. Daniel won't bow. They knew that. They knew the story of David. They knew what was going to happen. They knew he would die before he would do that because they understood that's how Daniel made every decision in his life. Theodore Hesber, who was the former president of, of the University of Notre Dame, he said something of the best things I've ever heard anybody say. Listen to what, what he said. He said, my basic principle is you don't make decisions because they're easy. Let me just stop and make a little political statement. I'm gonna get political just a little bit. Do you know why we have a $20 trillion debt in this country? Do you know why we're passing that debt on to our children and our grandchildren? Because we don't have the politicians with the courage to make the hard call. 
We don't have the politicians to make the decisions, make the hard decisions. We want to make the decisions that are easy. Theodore Hesworth says, I don't make them because they're easy. I don't make them because they're cheap. You don't make them because they're popular. You make them because they are right. They are right. Now, even though the king thought that Daniel had been involved in the decision, he didn't know anything about it. These men had lied. He knew nothing. So now we read these words. Now watch this. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, this is news to Daniel. I don't know if he read it on Twitter, got it by text, heard it through the grapevine, but Daniel finds out, oh, I'm not supposed to pray anymore. It's against the law. And now the rubber has hit the road in Daniel's faith. And you know, it really, if you think, let me just stop. It's really sad if you think about it. Here's a man for 70 years. He's offered a lifetime of honesty and decency and godly integrity. He has served every king faithfully, served every king well. He'd always done what was best for other people. And what's he going to get in return? A gold watch? Stock options, a lifelong pension, a severance package, a statue in his honor. No, he's facing the loss of his position, his security, his income, his friends, and even his own life. I'm going to say it again. You are free to exercise integrity, but integrity is never free to exercise. It always comes with a cost. Now, Daniel, Daniel knows now that, that whatever he does next, whatever he does next, he's going to do it with his eyes wide open, and he knows full well the cost he may incur. He knows it. And he comes through just like his enemies thought he would. Watch what Daniel does. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got out on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Just as he had done before. Nobody ordered Daniel to pray. Nobody was going to order Daniel not to pray. I'm going to pray. He said, I am going to pray. Now, here's the question. And I don't even want to ask it. Because before I ask it of you, I've got to ask it of me. And you know the question. What would we do? What would you do? What would I do? If we catch a Bible in your home, you're going to jail the rest of your life. What are you going to do? You even try to go to church one more Sunday, you'll go to jail the rest of your life. What are you going to do? We catch you saying a blessing at a restaurant, you're going to jail the rest of your life. What are we going to do? So what would we have done 2,500 years ago, if that law 
was passed. Because you know, I mean, you know, Daniel had options, right? He could have played it safe. He could have just said, okay, I just won't pray for 30 days. Or he could have closed his windows and prayed in secret. Or he could have said, you know, man, I've been at this 70 years. I think I'm going to take a month-long vacation down to Florida. Or he could have found all the lights, got in bed at night, covered himself up, and just prayed silently. But here's the problem. Integrity never goes on vacation. Integrity never takes a break. Integrity never calls time out. Integrity never takes a pass. Integrity doesn't go with the flow. Integrity doesn't follow the crowd. Integrity stands its ground. And if you're listening in Washington, D.C., integrity doesn't listen to polls. It looks for principles. And integrity may leave you all alone because it certainly did Daniel because he was the only one that was charged. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the degree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. See, whenever you're told to stand down and instead you stand up, here's what's gonna happen. You will stand out and you may stand alone and you will become a target. You know why? Talk is cheap. And integrity never just talks the talk. Integrity always walks the walk. And Daniel was a man of integrity because see, integrity never veers off course. Integrity never takes a shortcut. Integrity never cuts corners. Integrity stands tall, it stands tough, and it stands true to what is right. So don't be so quick to say yet, yes, I wanna live a life of integrity because if you do, you must Count the cost of integrity because if you do, you will pay the price of integrity. There's a price to be paid. Integrity's free, not cheap. Now, the traitors turn tattletale. They run to the king. They box him in a corner. Look what happens. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who's one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, remember your majesty that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. That was a law back in the day. You know, when the Pope speaks ex cathedra, that's kind of okay, that's it, that's, that, it's over, no more debate. Same was true. Whenever the king in a kingdom passed a law, it could not be revoked. You, you, could, not, you could not take it away. He could not change his mind. So a pretty high price to pay for a lifetime of integrity. I mean, you know, look, it's not even gonna be a quick death like lethal injection or beheading or a firing squad. And I don't think I have to tell you this. A lion's den's not the best way to go. I, I, recently, I was, I was in Africa. And I got to do something I never thought I'd do. I got to go on a safari. <clears throat> and, and I saw lions up close. As a matter of fact, we got to see, actually, we got to see lions hunting some prey. It was really pretty cool. 
But I'll tell you something I learned. I know why they're called the king of the jungle. They are terrifying. A lion's roar can be heard. Are you ready for this? You can hear a lion's roar up to five miles away. And if you're ever close enough to hear one roar, it sounds like a giant bass speaker that vibrates through your whole body. And what it does is it strikes this paralyzing fear into your prey. And by the way, they don't call him the king of the jungle for nothing. A hungry lion, you ready for this? A hungry lion can eat 30% of his body weight in one sitting. Not a, not a big deal. I've done that the varsity several times. But, but, but a lion can eat 30% of his body weight in one sitting. That would be like an average person eating 200 quarter-pound hamburgers for lunch. And by the way, hate to burst some of your bubbles. No man is a match for a, for a lion, not even Tarzan. An average lion possesses the strength of 14 men. So you got to feel for Daniel. I mean, you, you, you got to think, wait a minute. 70 years of faithfulness and godliness and an 85-year-old man's going to be going out this way? Yep. Because that's the price you pay for integrity. Because you never outgrow integrity. You never get too old to do what is right. And Daniel now is about to pay the ultimate price for being thrown into the lion's den to face this horrible, horrible death. Now, let me just stop because I know what some of you are thinking right now, okay? I know what some of you kind of got in your mind right now. So wait a minute. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. But Daniel was delivered from the lion's den. Yeah, he was. But that's why I purposely stopped the story at verse 16. Because I want you to imagine this is where the story stopped. I, 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 I want you to imagine we don't know how the story ends. Because here's the truth. Not everybody that gets thrown into the lion's den comes out alive. Not everybody makes it. A lot of people have paid the ultimate price for not compromising their integrity. But here's what I want you to understand. The only way you will ever maintain your integrity on a daily basis is when you make the same decision that he made. And you've got to make it every day before you get out of bed, <clears throat> before you look in the mirror, before you go to school, before you go to work. You've got to make up your mind before you walk out the door. Today, I will do the right thing. Today, I will say the right thing. Today, I will be at the right place. You've got to understand that every day God is sending you out for two reasons, to lead others to Christ or to get people to get closer to Christ because of the integrity of your life. Otherwise, you won't lead people to Christ, you'll lead people away from Christ. So you've got to make up your mind on a daily basis, my integrity is more important than my safety it's more important than my security. It's more important than my prosperity. It's more important than my, my, my position. It's more important than my popularity because at the end of the day, before you lay your head on your pillow, there is one question you should be able to, to answer every day 100% in the affirmative, and it's this one. Did, not did I do things right, but did I do the right thing? See, too many times we go to bed and we sleep good. Well, I did do things right. God doesn't care about that. What God wants to know is, did you do the right things?
Now, I'm going to tell you something I never thought about. I just kind of found this in my research. Have you ever thought about how similar this story is to another story that took place about 600 years after this one took place? So I'm, I'm not sure what you're talking about. All right, listen to verse 17. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Now watch this. He's thrown into a cave. A stone is rolled across the entrance. Soldiers are placed around there to guard the cave. And the cave is sealed. Sound familiar? Yeah, there's another story just like that that took place about 600 years later. There was another man that faced death just like Daniel. Oh, except he wasn't thrown into a lion's den. He was nailed to a cross. And oh, Daniel didn't know if he was going to live or die, but this man knew he was going to die. Now, we know, of course, that Daniel was delivered from death, but this man was not delivered from death. He was delivered through death. Daniel didn't die. He came out alive. But this man died, but he came back alive. His name was Jesus. But they both faced what they faced because of their integrity. Now, technically, Here's the thing I want you to understand. There was a big, 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 big difference. Daniel was declared guilty because he had broken man's law. Jesus was declared guilty because we had broken God's law. Big difference. Daniel was declared guilty because he did break man's law. Jesus was declared guilty because we broke God's law. Law, But because Jesus lived the life and because Jesus counted the cost and because Jesus paid the price of integrity, guess what? We can be forgiven. We can have eternal life. We can have a relationship with the God that created this world that never ends. And oh, we can live a life of integrity. So yes, there is a cost to consider and there is a price to pay for integrity. But here's what I've learned. When you do the cost-benefit analysis, you know what I've learned? I can look back on my life and tell you this. Every single time God gave me the strength and God gave me the boldness and God gave me the courage to stand up and be what I knew I needed to be, say what I knew I needed to say, do what I knew I needed to do. Every single time. You know what I've learned? The benefits far outweigh the cost. Because when you're a person of integrity, you never have to fear accusations. You don't have to worry about investigations. People can go through your closets because there's no skeletons in them. Your life can be an open book because you've got nothing to hide. So you live a life of integrity because when the time comes that you're put under the microscope, all anybody will ever see is the light of integrity shining in your heart, the fire of purity burning in your soul. And that is what Christ following discipleship is all about. So I want to leave you with this. I can't make you do this. I just want to encourage you to do it. 
Do everything you can not to miss one of these sermons. Do everything you can not to miss one of these series because even though we've laid the foundation, they're building blocks. And if you take one block out, the whole edifice comes apart. I will be sharing with you the absolute most important qualities that you must have, that God wants you to have, that you were made to have, to have the character that God wants you to have. And this is why it's so important. Because at the end of the day and at the end of your life, it will not matter what you had. The only thing that will matter is what you were. Let's pray together.